1: Welcome to The Family Brain with your host, Megan Gibson.
0: The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy.
2: Thanks for listening to The Family Brain. My name is Megan Gibson, and today, back by popular demand, we have Kirk Martin who is the founder of Celebrate Calm. I was telling somebody about this organization the other day, and she said, oh, I even love the name. It's just already starting to calm me down. So I can't wait to hear what Kirk has to say and just get some more encouragement and tips from him about parenting and especially parenting kids who can be challenging. Hi, Kirk.
3: Hey, Megan. How are you doing? Um, Happy New Year.
2: Thank you so much. So I I mentioned this to you when I reached out um, to ask you if you would come back on the podcast, but you were the most listened to podcast episode for the Family Brain of 2018. That's awesome. I think I need to get a trophy of some sort. I don't know what that would be. I
3: think it's because people identify with flaws and brokenness. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. And we're all flawed, broken people and mess up all the time. So it's good to acknowledge that.
2: Right. And I think that's the, uh, to me, that one of the biggest takeaways from your approach of celebrate calm is that there's not shame involved in it, either with the child or the parent. And I think that's a nice place to start. There's so much, I feel like a lot of times, There's so much that starts with pathology, like what's the issue and what's the, and it just seems like you take it from a different direction in terms of like, okay, we've got these things going on now. what? And it just, it takes, it takes it down a notch. So it doesn't feel as amped up. If that makes sense.
3: You know what? I think it's, um, if I did when, you know, case and I talk about this all the time, I think it's just to understand human nature, right? like we're just really flawed we do stuff and it's like okay so how's that how is that serving me how's that serving your child so your child has a lot of anxiety of course he does so you're trying something new and taking sometimes we kind of um nowadays everything's a disorder and so it sounds so scary instead of saying new things are kind of scary because they're unknown and when you can talk to your child and say yeah of course you, you should be a little bit anxious like if your stomach's not upset something's wrong with you and then and, and you normalize it so they're not thinking like so there's, there's nothing really wrong with me no you're just normal you're just nervous because you're trying something new and so you know what I mean and so and as a parent it's like uh there's so much I just written on this little note that said I think in today's day and age because we have access to so much knowledge that we think, well, if we just read enough books and articles, we can be such good parents. It's almost like if we do the right things, we can almost guarantee that we're going to raise a successful child. And it puts so much pressure on us as parents of like, well, am I I doing the right thing? And I don't think our parents ever really gave that a thought. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. I don't and, think my mom and dad stayed up late at night and like, wow, are we really doing what's right for them? You know what I mean? Right. And, and, and,
2: and you know what's interesting, so though? I don't know that that's because they cared less. I think it's because, like, what you said <laughs> before, really, though, because sometimes I think we talk about it and we're just like, our parents didn't care. I think it's what you were saying about the access to resources. We have all these resources now that it's almost like, uh, what's it, like waterboarding. You're, like, just waterboarded by resources, and it can almost be too much sometimes, <laughs>
3: Yeah, instead of relying on instincts and just knowing, you know, some of it, I think the message our parents sent was, I think you're capable. Uh, you can handle this. And they didn't, you know, one of the big things Case and I are really looking at researching is the, the, uh, the bad anxiety, right? Like there's good anxiety, like uh, trying new things. You should be a little bit anxious because that makes you more aware. Like that's good. But that uh, crippling depression, anxiety, chronic stress that kids are under, some of it is coming from us as parents because we're like, well, you really need to think this through what classes you're going to take. Like, how is this going to affect your future? And the kids are only 10 or 12 or 14. And I don't know if you were like this. I didn't really figure my life out and what I wanted to do until I was well beyond college, you know what I mean. You, yeah. And I think our parents knew. Well, yeah, you get out into the real world, and then you kind of just figure it out yourself. But you didn't. No matter how much you plan, you can't plan for what's going to happen when you're 27 or 28. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I think it's kind of crippling our kids, and it cripples us as parents because we're almost working too hard. And I've wanted to come out with a program that said something like, stop caring so much. You know
0: what I mean? <laughs> yes. It would almost be
3: better if you just said, you know what? We're raising you in a pretty good home. You know, we go and yeah. get up. We work hard. We treat others the right way. We think you're going to have a good life. And the truth is, they probably will. I mean, if, you're, if kids are growing up in a home where you're watching Jerry Springer for two hours a day, and you don't read and you're on screens all the time, your kids are probably gonna end up in jail. But nobody (laughs) listening to this podcast (laughs) is doing that. You know what I mean? Right. So it's almost I really want to take and and look, I'm getting older. We were talking about that because you're you're like forty two and complaining that you're getting well I'm fifty two. And so as I get older, you get more perspective on realize most of those things that we worried about Really didn't matter. Right. They really didn't. It was what we did as parents. that Casey, my son's twenty five. So he never says, Mom, Dad, remember when you gave me that really good lecture when I was eleven? What he talks about is how we handled adversity, how we handled different situations. That's what he was watching. So the greatest lecture, wasn't how we tried to shape him it was how we shaped ourselves and he learned from that which is huge
2: and i think a part of that too is just that not only the things that we worry about are 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 smaller than we might imagine but also we have less control than we might think i mean we have a certain degree of control but we're not you know we're not god we're not calling all the shots here um no I wanted to back up for just a minute, just for anybody who's listening who didn't hear the first episode, which I will make sure I have a link to. Um, but just if you could, sort of in a nutshell, describe what Celebrate Calm, what the premise is, because to me, it's the way I think about it. It's, it's very like sort of a mind shift that happens. But what what is when you sort of tell people about what Celebrate Calm is, what do you say?
3: You know, your perspective may actually be better because you come from the outside, right? Like what I think it's the, probably the shift from, um, one of the core principles is the quickest way to change your child's behavior is to first control your own, right? It's that the real power in the relationship is not what you do trying to, to, to change your child. It's changing yourself. It's controlling your own anxiety about your child's future, because when I'm when I get anxious about my child's future because he's not living up to his potential and he's not applying himself and I know he's capable of so much more, and, and, and then I start to lecture and I get on my child, and then you mix that with our control issues because most of us have control issues. And we want things done a certain way because we know I'm 52, and if you just do it this way, you'll be so much more successful, and that's what I want for you. So I start to get on my child again and again and again, and I begin lecturing, and I begin really controlling their behavior, and that's what often causes them to resist. So the big shift for us was instead of just trying to change the child, it's 80% of it, I think, is what can I do? to control my own anxiety over my child's future, change my own responses. Because in any given situation, I can pretty much in a way determine how my child responds, right? Like if I'm up in the child's face all the time, I almost guarantee that I'm going to get a power struggle. But if I learn how to control myself, it has a much bigger impact on the child And so, and the final thing I'd say with that is, that's where the ultimate power lies. I can't always guarantee that my child's going to listen to me or do what I tell them to do, but I have complete 100% control over what I do in any given moment, which actually gives me the ultimate source of power, just controlling myself. So I don't know if that resonates with you.
2: Oh, totally. Totally. And I mean, and that's what I mean by sort of that mind shift of it's just, I actually was trying to describe it. And I think um the way you came to this mindset sort of tells part of this story, too. I remember you talking about how you were praying one morning for your child to change, and you got this little sort of tap that, um, maybe you were the one who needed to change. And I was telling someone that story about you and she said, Oh my gosh, I just prayed that same thing this morning. And you know, I just think it's, it's, it's so common, right? It's like, it's, instead of pointing the finger outside of yourself, turning the finger back towards yourself and saying, you know, what can I, what can I do differently?
3: Um, right. Without, without turning the proverbial finger of guilt, and blame, but just like one day I want to write a book and I can't say what it's called, but it's going to be own your, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just just own your stuff. Yeah. Like own it. Yeah. Like my favorite emails are parent. Like I get them all the time. Like, oh, my child's so strong willed and he won't listen to anything I say. And everything's a power struggle. And I completely get that. But I can guarantee almost 100% of the time. The parent's playing a role in that, right? Yes. Because I guarantee that's an overbearing parent or a parent who's always lecturing or who starts to use this kind of tone. Because I don't know how many times I have to – because as soon as I start to hear that tone, the child's starting to think – and I, I don't want to be uh, offensive to anybody, but the initial response is, F you. Right. I'm not listening to that tone. Like the because nobody wants to be talked to like that. Like, you know, you wouldn't put up with your, with your spouse, Megan. I don't know how many yes. times I've told. Yeah. Right? You'd be like, yes. dude, we're seeing a divorce attorney if that keeps going on.
2: Right. Oh, my son lately has been telling me to calm down, mom. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, you didn't. And But it's funny because you're right. I'm sure I say things like that to him all the time. Okay, calm down. Like I mean, that that's something I say to him. And I hate you know, it when the, he says it to me.
3: My son used to say that to me after I started to celebrate calm. Oh, right. Like, I am the calm guy. <laughs> you, don't, you don't tell me. Right. And right. like he knew, like, we would be on the road traveling and I'd get upset. And it would be, like, before a live event. And he'd be like, so, Dad, are, Mr. Calm Guy, are you going to share that little episode with that's the audience weird. tonight? And okay. so I'd be like, you know, I think I will. Right. Because, yeah, that's normal life. Right. So anyway, it's kind of funny.
2: Yeah, I that. actually heard Ellen DeGeneres was saying something like that, how she <laughs> is known as the, the woman of kindness. She's, like, always talking about kindness and being kind to each other. And she's like, and now I can't even use my horn. I mean, I, people will look over and say, Ellen, is that you? I thought you were kind. Like, you know, I thought that was funny.
3: I bet she has a biting sarcasm you know what I mean, part of her, because she's really clear. Oh, for sure, yes. And she just, like, lets that, like, Casey and I, like, I'm a calm guy, so, like, on Facebook, I probably shouldn't say this, but, like, at a lot of events, people come up and they'll explain, and inside, I'm like, you're a freak. Like, no wonder. Like, and occasionally, you know, but I'm not I'm a nice guy, but occasionally I'll ask someone, and I'll just say, um, look, can I, do you give me permission to just tell you what I really think, and they will say yes, and I'll be like, uh, and occasionally I'll say this, I'll say, if I'm being completely honest, I've been talking to you for like a minute and a half, your voice is so irritating, I could not imagine being your child, you just talk way too much, and initially you get a little bit offended, but not really, because they know I'm a nice guy, and I'm Mm -hmm. helping them out, (laughs) but that's the truth, is that they do, and I'm like, you just don't stop, Right. Like I guarantee your child's like I got it, mom. I got it. I got it. Right. But you keep going anyway. Yeah. So well, you to know, everybody's gonna be like, these our least favorite interview. No He's a jerk.
2: No." But you're so right on. I mean, and I, you know what? I was I wrote this down as I was thinking about talking to you. As since our first conversation, one of the things I've noticed is that it's really hard for me to stay calm when I'm too busy. Like, and I, I think that that's another thing too. It's like we're all so overloaded. And so it, it might not be that, oh, this person is born with just an annoying voice, you know, or whatever it is, but that we're so overloaded with our own anxiety, too many things to do, like not having our own clarity that it comes off and then we're basically passing the torch of anxiety and like wound up to our child, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think that makes complete sense and it's better... To me, I would rather somebody tell me. I don't think I would like it at first, but I would,
3: well, you know. Be, and that's also couched within a two-hour presentation afterwards. I say, I get it. You're overwhelmed. But you're, But then I tell them, like, I don't want to hear anything else about your child. Let's, for the next 30 days, let's just work on you. Like, what if we work on uh, saying things in an even matter-of-fact voice, uh, saying things one time? You know, it was starting to work on ways to control yourself and then giving, you know, giving the mom or the dad tools to do it a little bit differently. Uh, sometimes it's still because it's a little bit of shock therapy, right? It's like, oh, I didn't expect that. And I was like, well, you kind of needed to hear that. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I say that, too, is because I need to hear that, right? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm really tough on myself. And the older I get, the more I realize in every one of my relationships it comes back to me, like I I have a I play a role, and it's not like victim blaming or anything else, but I play a role in every single interaction that I have, and so the more I'm honest with myself, not beating myself up, the more I find that my relationships change because I change. I'll give you an example. I'm a people pleaser a little bit of time. I really am. And so sometimes I won't speak up. And then someone will do something I don't like, and then I begin to feel resentful. And if I'm honest, it comes back to, I didn't have the confidence to speak up and tell the person what I really wanted. And so therefore they were guessing and because they couldn't read my mind, they did something different than I wanted. And it's easy to say, well, they just didn't listen to me or they were selfish when in reality it's. I was too afraid to speak up because I didn't want to hurt their feelings or I didn't want them to not like me. And therefore I didn't get what I wanted out of that experience. And it was really my issue. Hmm. And that's very liberating. Like even when I got on the phone call with you, I was a minute late. Like, uh, I tend to have the ADD, um, trait of, uh, before I go somewhere, let me get as many things done as I can, like in the last minute. And then I would end up being late and I'd be late meeting a friend for lunch And then you make excuses. Well, what I do now is say, uh, I've got a friend named Mike. I say, Mike, listen, I'm, I'm late. You know why? Because I was selfish and I didn't prioritize you. I wanted to get a couple extra things done at home, and so I left late. And that's because I put myself before you and your time. And it blows people away when you're honest with them. You know what I mean? And yeah. if you're honest with yourself. Right. No, I so, love that.
2: I love that. And I think that friend. that's one of the things, as you're talking, I'm thinking about um, a question I had about boys and men. And I know we talked about this before. And, and just sort of this, I love this new, I don't want to call it a trend, but I don't know what else to call it, a, around vulnerability and sort of allowing yourself to be more honest about what's going on with you. And I'm just wondering what what suggestions you have for boys and men who maybe feel like the culture doesn't support that kind of honesty for them.
3: Ugh, do we have to talk about vulnerability? I'm a man. Come I on. know. Sorry. I'm better just yelling and screaming my way wear <laughs> the highway. Um, that's my go-to, you know, I think it's a, okay. So, uh, honest answer is it's really hard work. I remember being in therapy and, um, this was many years ago with my wife and she was like, well, you don't, you don't open up. You don't, you don't feel anything. And I was like, oh <laughs> yeah, I feel it, but I just internalize it and then I figure it out. And she was like, well, why don't you share it? And I was like, why would I like this? Like why? I, I just kind of internalize it. So I remember looking at the therapist saying, what do I like? Teach me the words to use. Mm-hmm. And I'm not being funny. I felt like a helpless four-year-old. Like, how do I be vulnerable? Right. And he's like, well, just tell how you're feeling sometimes. And honestly, and I am being totally honest with this, it started with, um, I'm feeling a little bit nervous right now, hmm. or I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed. That was such an odd, weird statement as a guy. Right. And I'm sure there are many women who are the same way, but it was an uh, like a lot of women are the, you nope. Know, I got, mm-hmm. I got it. I got it. I got taken care of. Would you need a little bit of help? Got taken care of. So it's, I don't think it's necessarily gender specific all the time. Although I think it's harder for men to do. Right. I will tell any men who are listening, um, well, say for the women, be patient with your husbands. Give us the words. Like we don't know all the time how to do it now, I've grown as I've gotten older, where I'm just an open book and I see it as a sign of strength to be able to say, you know, I'm really overwhelmed right now. I have no idea what to do in this moment. And I found that now it's actually very liberating to say that. um, But it took a little bit of time to do that. I don't know. Honestly, I don't expect a 14 year old boy to come home from school and say, mom, I just feel like I think sometimes trying to get that out of kids is actually counterproductive. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know that I would push for it. Um, I'm not always a big fan of, well, honey, tell me how you're feeling. Because sometimes I don't need to know how the child's feeling, right? Like, I know how he's feeling. He's frustrating, frustrated and he's really PO'd. What I really need to give him are tools – in order to deal with the frustration. Do you you know what I mean? I think sometimes talking through things is really good, but sometimes talking through things makes it worse. Right.
2: Well, you know what? And I I just had this aha moment to to coin Oprah's term. Um, I'll have to figure out my own. But um, just that in the same way that you're talking about modeling being calm, it's probably also the same with the language development, like we don't, we can't develop the language to say what we're feeling and and what we are experiencing if we don't hear it or if it's not like around us. And so maybe just ex, like saying more to our kids or our our spouses or whatever about what we're what's going on with us, maybe will help plant the seed. I don't know. Do you know I what I mean? Like instead of asking man, like, them.
3: Yeah, it's it's a great like if you picture sitting around a dinner table and if you get a guy who comes home from work and he's like, man, I really struggled at the office today. Like I, I, I had this proposal that I turned it, whatever. And you get them just opening up and just having, let's take it out of even vulnerability because that's on a deep, deep kind of thing. But even just honesty, mm-hmm. right? Like just call it honesty. If like of I was really struggling there. But I remember one of my biggest for uh, aha moments or, 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 or moments was when we were driving, I remember it was in New Jersey and it was late at night and um, there was construction or something, Casey was navigating, we were trying to get to our hotel and we were tired and I remember I was kind of snapping at him, well, figure it out, just figure, you know, like figure out. dad, there's construction, it's, a, I don't figure it, you know, I went to that that dad mode, mm-hmm. and I remember looking at him saying, hey, Casey, that wasn't your fault. That was me. I'm tired and I'm cranky. And I apologize. That was me. That, and just like that, uh, like, that's not necessarily, I wouldn't put as being vulnerable, but it's being honest about your own thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. a dad who's yelling saying, you know what? That wasn't your issue. I overreacted to that because I had a bad day at work. Like that to me is huge. Hmm. Or a mom who, in the middle of lecturing, the child says, You know what, honey? I apologize. I was just projecting my own anxiety onto you, and that's wrong. I own my own anxiety. I'm going to go deal with my own anxiety and my own issues, and I apologize for dumping that on you. Like, that's such a liberating thing, and kids, no matter what age, appreciate honesty right like parents are always like men are like well what if we admit that them? then they're gonna know Mm -hmm. I'm like they already know (laughs) they already know you like it's pretty clear when you're driving that you have anger issues right because all family gets nervous and quiet and so you taking that step and saying guys listen because I did this too once I said I apologize for holding you hostage in the car you guys got nervous Because I'm in a hurry, and I was upset, and everybody got really nervous, and I apologize for holding you hostage. Everybody can relax. I'm not going to run that guy off the road. And that kind of ownership and honesty, I think, is a great place to start.
2: No, I love that.
3: You know what I mean? Yes.
2: I just watched a TED Talk the other day, and I wish I could remember the person's name, but I can't. Um, And she was talking about how – Uh, like real apologies. And she was saying that people who are able or capable of giving real apologies are confident people. And it's the people that don't have the confidence to like, it's almost like their ego can't handle like a chip away at it, if that makes sense. And, um, and I love that concept because not only does it kind of get you excited about being more honest about your flaws. But also, it can give you a little bit of compassion for the people who maybe aren't capable of of having that level of honesty because it's frustrating sometimes if you feel like somebody's always making excuses or can never apologize. And um, but it it helped me sort of make sense of why that might be true.
3: Yeah, if you take it to well, let me do husband and kids for men. I believe most men, or I'll speak for myself, we have a hero complex, right? And so. We want to be seen as like the hero and once that gets i remember when that started getting chipped away from me i remember it was a huge threat to me and so you'll get this with dads who don't want their wife going out to some um book club thing because they don't want their wife telling the other women about yeah my husband he really blew up the other night can't believe what he did and then and Women shouldn't go and tell all those things either, but um, but, but they do shipping. <laughs> I know that's what book club is, You, yeah. don't really read yeah. books. you mm-hmm. drink wine and talk about stuff, yeah, um, which is fine, you need that. Um, but there's this whole hero complex thing that men sometimes carry, and they think, well, if my kids realize, like, no, they already know it, and and it is really helpful for. Dad and mom, but it's awesome when dad can tell a son or daughter, "Hey, if you're you're struggling and you're stressed a little bit now, good, you should be. That's normal. I still get stressed at the office. I still I, I I still struggle with confidence sometimes. Most of the time, I'm pretty confident, but there are times when I'm not. And for for a kid to hear, even my dad's not always confident. My dad messes up. That is such a powerful. I remember when I first started telling Casey now. Look, there's a balance here i don't want you being longer like uh stay up late at night and i watch things on my computer i shouldn't watch or like women i don't want you telling your deep dark secrets you know with your kids that's being that's crossing boundaries but basic stuff like i remember when i told casey was like really you struggle yeah i'm not always that confident like, I struggle. Like, sometimes I think, like, what am I doing? And I think that freed him and liberated him to try things and fail because he knew. Because i say, Casey, all the programs that you see out there that Celebrate Calm does that are really successful, there are at least five programs that completely bombed. I just pulled them off the website, right? Like, I try. And so I think it's liberating for our kids to know, like, This is just what humanity is. Mm -hmm. Like you have ups and downs and you just know that when you're down, you're going to come back up and you just kind of persevere for a little bit and you're going to be good. I love it. So, but for kids, the reason many of our kids, and if we're talking about strong will kids, especially, they struggle with owning their stuff because usually they're in trouble a lot Mm. and they have a lot of shame because we're always coming. What were you thinking? Why did you do that? How many times do I have to tell you? And when we use that approach, it's dumping so much shame on them. They eventually say, why would I tell you the truth? Because if I do, you're just going to lecture me and get on me again. And so it takes a while for these kids to learn how to be honest and say, yep, cheated on that test. Nope. Didn't do my homework, mom. And you say, okay, I get that. So you didn't do your homework. So let's figure out, I'm curious what's going on. Are you overwhelmed? Or was it just you felt like playing video games instead of doing your homework? And when a child feels comfortable saying, Mom, I didn't feel like doing it, and you don't freak out, you can ultimately get to a solution. I'll give you one example. Kids, um, a lot of kids I work with steal stuff. And so parents always get freaked out, like, oh, stealing is wrong. We need to lecture, honey. And there's, by the way, uh, this is not meant to sound jerky, but it will. Please stop with, like, the endless, like, mommy lectures, right? Like, kids, you know, it's really wrong to lecture in our home. Like, those kind of things are like, ugh, makes me want to vomit sometimes. Just like, your kids know that. Just, ugh. <laughs> Does that sound sort of awful, Megan? I no, it doesn't.
2: It doesn't. It doesn't. But
3: I mean. They're, they're icky. Some nice, sweet mommy things. Kids, you know, it's always important to tell the truth. And it's like they know that. Mm-hmm. Like, so when I get a kid who's lying or stealing or lying, any of it, my approach is, okay, so dude, I know you're stealing, and I get it. I'm curious, and that's my favorite phrase for 2018 and 19. I'm curious. I want to know what are you getting out of it? Like, is it um, is it that you have impulse control issues? Is it? Um, but here's what it usually comes down to: it's a challenge. These are kids who push buttons all the time, and they're really kind of messing with your brain. They like to see if this makes sense. These are kids who like to build with Legos. They like to take things apart. They 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 fidget with things. They mess with things, and they figure out how it works. So when they're arguing with you, what they're really doing is they're kind of just messing with your brain a little Mm -hmm. bit and it's not just gonna we always take it as, well, they shouldn't talk back, they shouldn't be pushing our buttons. I get that. But what they're doing is figuring out how are you going to respond? And can I, in a way, manipulate or I would use the word influence my parent by using this train of thought. It's just an exercise for them and they're getting a lot of brain stimulation. So part of stealing is when we get to the root, sometimes it's, I just wanted to see if I could get away with it. And then if I can hide it and cover it up and outsmart you, because they're bored. And so they're just figuring out it's a challenge to them to steal something. Mm. Now, your adopted kids are often stealing because there's a deep-seated need and there's other things because they have a, a, a fear of not having things, a fear of lack. They, didn't, you know, they were in an orphanage and they didn't get food, so they'll just steal out of survival instinct. But a lot of our kids... So here's the beauty of it. If I get to the root of it, because look, there's one of two things. You're a bad kid because you steal and you should know better. And if I catch you doing that again you're going to get this consequence. There's nothing really wrong with that approach, except that it makes the kid learn how to feel better. Right. So he doesn't get caught.
2: Like and how I told location. my kid that I would, I would call the police next time.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. But I'd rather get to, huh, if you want to go deeper, good therapy thing is how is this serving you? Yeah, right? I like, like that. How is this serving you? That's like, oh, Okay. So now we get to the root of it, uh, son. You like the challenge. There's a certain amount of fun that comes with doing something wrong and so, and bad and getting away and out tricking me. So here's the deal. I can't stop you from stealing. I can't. That's your choice. But here's what I do know. With that comes an awful lot of negative energy and hiding it and it's ultimately destructive. But. If you would like to use those same brain skills in outwitting people or using your brain to be uh, do something really creative, if you want to learn how to build your own business, that same brain skill we could use to figure out why people purchase things, what they need, how we can meet that need, and I bet we could build a little business with you. You could start earning money. Mm-hmm. I also know that you have a really big heart. Never toward me as your parent, but you have a big heart because I've seen it with other people. You could take some of that money and give it to St. Jude's for kids who have cancer, and we could do something really positive with that same brain uh, exercise, and it would be completely positive. There'd be nothing to hide, and you could build that, do that for the rest of your life. So I have to go cook dinner. I've got to go walk the dog. Why don't you think about it? Because I love giving kids space. You come tell me how do you want to keep how do you want to use your brain? Because you can use it either way. And now you've just given a child ownership, but you've given them some options and let them know this is why you're doing it. Right now, you're just using it to do something negative. It's not really helping you a lot. And you can do that if you want, but I know that you know that's just gonna take you down the wrong path and you're gonna lose your stuff. Right. Or Here's another vision for you. You come get me and tell me what you want to do, right, versus the kind of be on them all the time. But that takes a lot of patience and controlling my own anxiety of thinking, oh, they're stealing. That means they're going to be, right, they're going to end up in jail one day and they shouldn't do that. am I a bad mom because why is my son stealing because we haven't taught him that. What have we done, right, like all those things that go through you. When you start to learn how to control yourself, things – see if this makes sense. The things that cause you discomfort or that scare you, I really encourage you to enter into those things and learn how to deal with them and show your child how to deal with them because the things that scare you most are usually – uh, there's usually a
0: breakthrough of something really
3: cool there. Mm-hmm. But we just kind of revert, revert back to um, kind of being close-minded about things because that feels safe for us.
2: Yes. No, I totally agree. I love that. Um, as we were talking, I was thinking about, I just had an interview with a woman the other day who is a therapist, um, Kelly Coulter. And she was talking about how she's very passionate about um, kids who are either diagnosed or not diagnosed with giftedness, have you seen, and I had never thought of giftedness as like, uh, a diagnosis as much as anyway, but have you seen kids with this kind of intensity when you're talking about, um, like needing that brain stimulation? Is that something you've seen in your travels that oftentimes these kids just, I, I and I don't know, gifted is probably not the right word, but just that brains working at another kind of level of speed and it can either be harnessed for good or for trouble making.
3: Yeah. I think that's just in general. I think you get bright uh, like kids or kids who have a certain amount of, um, I don't know about the giftedness because I just, I don't like the term a whole lot. Right. It's kind of like, well, what kind of, yeah. what kind of, what kind of giftedness are we talking about? Cause there are people who are intellectually gifted, but socially and otherwise not, and then there are people like high emotional intelligence, right, so and I know that like I, there's a little, uh, family close by they uh, know really well, they've got two kids and the daughter is like she's the killer, man. she's driven she knows what she wants to do in life she's, she gets up early to swim practice. she's just driven and then the son looks like flacker, right, because he's like he's not, but he has a high emotional intelligence and I think uh, sorry to take us off track there a little bit. No, this is on really track. Important.
2: No, but I, I, think, so I too. think it's
3: important for us as parents to step back and say Yeah, so your sister is gonna kill it in this area, right? Like academically She's gonna upsell. She's gonna take AP class. She's gonna do all that stuff. It's gonna be great And her career is gonna go this way, but you have high emotional intelligence which means you're going to get people and you're going to figure them out. That's going to take you in a different path. It doesn't mean you're dumb or stupid. It just means you, you, you both
1: have a different kind of giftedness, mm-hmm.
3: right? No, I love that. Streets, street smarts, right? It's giftedness to the extreme. Like if you want me to predict someone who's going to be extremely wealthy, it's not really bright people. It's people with street smarts and high emotional intelligence. They're usually, if you meet really wealthy people, they usually have a high emotional intelligence because they get people, not just uh, not just raw intelligence. So um, one thing I'm kind—I may do a little po- a podcast on this. I've been kind of jotting down notes. Is um, and I just lost my train of thought on it, but it's um, oh, it's stepping back and being honest with kids. Oh, I know what it was. Sorry about this disjointed, but hopefully it's helpful. I was training um, teachers last week, and um, what came out of me, because every presentation is a little different, stuff just kind of comes out. I said, you know, I can give you strategies, because we're all like, Celebrate Calm is all like strategies to help with homework, with this, with that, with that, with strategies, strategies, strategies. But what my real passion is, is really just talking to kids and saying, like I'd love for teachers to tell a child, listen, you're going to struggle sometimes in school. You know why? Because your natural giftedness or your natural talent is not for sitting still all day memorizing information you're never going to use in life for a test and then forgetting it. Your Your abilities aren't in following directions and doing what everybody else wants you to do. So you're just going to struggle in school sometimes. But when you're in a situation where I need a leader – When you're in a situation, we need an entrepreneur, someone to take charge. When we need someone who's highly creative, you're going to rock at that. So just because you struggle in school doesn't mean you're dumb or stupid. Just because it takes you longer to take a test doesn't mean you're dumb. It means you're a slower processor of information. But what that tells me is you are a deeper processor. It means that you're probably very creative more of a songwriter, a good writer. You're going to be really good at listening to people and helping them with problems. And so you're just, you have a different kind of brain. It's not less, it's not more, it's just different. And I wish our society would do a better job with our kids of just explaining and saying, there's nothing wrong with your brain. It's just different. And it means that this area, you're naturally going to struggle. But in this area... You are going to excel. It's just the hard part is most of schooling just rewards people with a certain kind of brain, right? And so the kids that I work with tend to be the ones who are – you just let them go on their own and follow their curiosity. They're brilliant kids. But when you ask them to do something they don't want to do, they're pig-headed and obstinate and strong-willed and defiant, and they'll tell you they're stupid. And five minutes later, another adult comes along and says, hey, can you come with help down to my house and help me build this contraption? And all of a sudden, they're an entirely different kid, and that other adult says, your son came down to my house and he did exactly what I told him to do. He never talked back. He cleaned up after himself. He was perfectly pleasant. And you're like, that's not my son. <laughs> and yet, right? And yep. that's most of. Us. And so I, I want us. I really want our society to do a better job of speaking to kids and letting them know your brain's good yeah. and you're fine. It's just you stink at certain things, and you're awesome at certain things. It's just that school asks you to do all the things that you're not naturally good at doing. right? And I think that's
2: largely true. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think that goes back to what you're saying about owning our own stuff. Like, what is it about us that makes us feel like we need to have a kid that's on the honor roll or that's, you know, Ugh. the start, you know, the head of the class or in five AP classes? What, what is that about us that we need to sort of sort through so it's not being projected onto our kids?
3: I think we could spend five hours on that. That's great to. I think I would explore that. I think some of it is. Look, all parents love their kids and want them to be successful, right? And so my assumption is if my child is taking all AP classes, he's pretty bright, and he's going to go to college and do pretty well, and that means he'll probably get a good job and maybe someone will marry him. You know what I mean? so there's this natural, like, huh, okay, that makes me feel good. Plus, in some neighborhoods and communities – When everybody's gathered around, oh, what's your son? Oh, he's taking AP this. For our (laughs) son, it was like, um, Casey didn't get suspended last semester. Mm -hmm. He was pretty good. We're pretty happy. Right? Like, he never took AP classes. Now he's 25. I consider Casey to be brilliant in many areas of life with uh, social skills and connecting with people and his thought process. He's the most curious kid I've ever met. If you put him in an AP class, he'd be a loser, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, yeah, I think that's something to explore with your kids, and especially with his, um, those of you with a strong will kid. You're probably going to have one that's an AP kind of kid who's awesome, and then the other kid is going to be awesome at taking things apart in your house or building with Legos, but there's no grade for that. And so he's going to feel stupid or less than his sister, who's so smart. Because every look, and everybody, like the grandparents, oh, you're so smart, you're on the honor roll, I'm going to give you $50 for every A. And then you've got this other kid, who literally is brilliant in many, many ways, but never really gets to show it because all the things he's brilliant at doing, there's no grade for. And so I always encourage parents at the beginning of school year, or in the middle of school year, to step back and say, what do you really want? Like we eventually said, I want, a, I want Casey to be curious and love to learn because I know if he is curious in life, he can teach himself anything and he'll be teachable by other people. And that's kind of how he's turned out. Uh, but he wasn't necessarily great at doing what everybody else wanted him to do in school. But that's not a, look, I'll challenge, I was thinking about this over the Christmas break, everybody's like, well, but, uh, there's two of them, but, uh, kids, kids don't always get what to do, what they want to do, they have to do what other people tell them to do. That's true to a certain degree. Eventually, your child will get fired from many jobs, and eventually they'll figure it out on their own, but they'll probably start their own business, because, Then they get to do what they want to do. Mm. So there's a fallacy in some of our parental arguments. The other one is, uh, I lost it, but it'll come to me later. Oh, uh, uh, motivation. We just You just got to put, you know, sometimes you just have to push through and you've got to overcome things. And I totally 100% believe that. But when I look back over my life, the things that I really push through, when I push through, It's because I cared about the outcome. Many of your kids will not push through in school. Why? Because they don't care about the outcome. Because it's arbitrary. Grades are almost a completely arbitrary thing. I know that bothers parents, but they're largely arbitrary. They're not a predictor of life success. And so we're trying to get our kids sometimes to care about what we care about. And they simply don't. And we want them to push through to to do something that we care about. But I would caution to step back and find what they care about. Because when they care about something, they will push through. And they are persistent and they are determined and they will do it. They can't. They just won't always do it at the thing you want them to do. And the more, sorry for taking this over, but the more... The more that you care about something and the more that you push that on your child, the more they will intentionally resist because they don't want to own your stuff. They want to own their life. And that's a huge insight, but it's really hard because it's scary to watch a child literally just drift through his middle school years and sit on the sofa like a blob of nothing and not get freaked out and so if you're getting freaked out by that middle school child you should but i don't want you to react out of it and lecture and get on you know what if you would just apply yourself you really need to start because that child will just look at you and say go screw yourself and they'll just shut down and there's literally nothing that you can do and you'll destroy your relationship with that child because everything is negative 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 Instead of coming alongside that child and letting them know it's fairly normal in middle school to feel overwhelmed and awkward because it's a hard time of life, right? So we miss these opportunities out of our own anxiety. We miss opportunities to build a deeper trusting relationship and instead our kids shut down and resist us more. And we can really – we have a lot of power over that sorry about that. I talked a lot. Don't there. be
2: sorry. I feel like I just got an awesome family therapy session. I'm like, it's, it, was
3: really good though,
2: it, it was really good. Yes. <laughs> it was kidding. really good. I'm no, kidding. it was, I no, don't it, to talk too much. no, it was good. Um, no, I love all of that. And I think so much of it, it all goes back to just like sort of where, what is our stuff and what is the point of control we're trying to hang on to? And why is that? And just sort of like, not, not just reading, reading ourselves, reading the environment. What is the environment telling us that success looks like? How do we take that message and interpret it for ourselves and like cling to it? You know, um, no, I think it's fantastic. I love it. Um, I have a couple of questions from our Facebook community. Um, one of them is one of the things you talk about is like, once you're kind of in a, a difficult situation, um, how to, to manage that. What about getting ahead of some of these? Um, these like when you know that there's like sort of these danger pits, like maybe homework is a struggle for you, or maybe getting out in the door out the door in the morning is a struggle. Do you have any suggestions for parents for when just managing those things that they kind of can predict are going to be a problem?
3: Yeah, I'd like to. That's great. I mean, if you're at that place where you can um, be proactive, then it's awesome. So, like with um, homework time is, um you know, it's going to be different for every kid, but there are a lot of different strategies. One, is just telling the child, and it depends how old they are, but letting them know, say, look, I get it. You went to school all day, you sat in the class, and someone told you what to do all day long, all day long, all day long. We got to get through the homework. So here are a few different ideas for you. Different ways we could do homework. You can do homework sitting in a closet. You can do it underneath a desk. You can do homework uh, laying upside down off the sofa so the blood's running to your brain. You can do it listening to music, doing it outside. We could go to a local Panera Bread. We're not going to buy anything there, but we can go there because it smells good and there's people there and that'll stimulate your brain. I think it's giving kids uh, tools to do it in different ways. Um, homework's tough because every kid's different, right? There's some kids... Uh, younger kids, I know this is kind of off topic, but if your kids are six or seven, I just wouldn't do homework. I want them to learn. I want them to enjoy reading, and I want them to be curious, but I wouldn't get into that whole big battle over doing busy work. You have the right to to free the teacher by saying, we appreciate you sending home homework because you want my child to learn. We're just not going to do a lot of homework, but we will be reading and exploring and learning. We want you to know we're learning, but we're not always just going to do exactly what you send home because my son's only six or seven, right? Like, I mean, that's one, but I think, um, relaxing and giving it to them a little bit more and not hovering over them so much and saying, listen, homework's yours. I don't care how it gets done or where it gets done. It just needs to be done. Let me know if you need some help with that and creating a little bit of space and not being so, um, like they get home from school, okay, get your homework folder out. We need to check your folder. Okay, sit down at the desk. I'm going to give you a snack, and we're going to do homework, and I'm going to stand over you for three hours. It takes some of the pressure off of it and do it that way. Um, I, I don't mean to uh, promote my own stuff. It's free. But I've got, um, for like morning routine, I've got a podcast. If you just go to CelebrateCalm.com. Do you mind me doing this? Not, not at all. Club. Please do. Celebrate CelebrateCalm.com. There's a little tab for podcasts and there's a link where on iTunes or Simplecast. So make sure you listen to Megan's first because hers are better. <laughs> but we have one on morning routine. Listen to that because there are a lot of different proactive ideas about morning routine. One of my favorite things to do with morning routine is to get the kids doing something first that doesn't relate to getting dressed, combing their hair, eating a healthy breakfast all you know the 10 things they least want to do first thing in the morning right because that's what morning routine is look it's really early i know you don't want to go to school because you don't have any friends you're going to get in trouble and be on right on the behavior chart and i know you didn't sleep and you're really tired but get up and do the five things you least want to do early in the morning which is take a shower eat crappy healthy food that i put that you don't (laughs) like and you know what i mean and brush your teeth and all those things and so the morning starts with like pressure. And so I like getting kids doing something whether it's finding something outdoors like I love um for younger kids I love um obstacle courses in the basement or backyard and I promise you with your sensory kids if you say hey I hid your breakfast outside in your obstacle course don't go out there they'll get dressed in their obstacle course. They don't care it's weird and it's different and they like the alone time. Just don't be afraid to do things differently from other people and don't be afraid of being judged by other parents because you have a child who's different and is a little bit weird and you do weird things you just the more you get used to that and the more you embrace the weirdness I don't think it's weird actually I think I think it's normal but I think people who do the normal way are weird um but embrace doing things different from other people do it. And you'll find your kids will begin to really own their stuff a little bit more. Um, But yeah, I'm sorry to give a great answer to that.
2: No, Um, that, I think that is a great answer. I mean, just, just allowing for more space in, in the interactions, because I mean, as you're describing the, the controlling way, I'm like, that sounds like me, you know, and it just, and I think we just don't even realize we're doing it sometimes just because we haven't pulled back to sort of think, well, how could it be different? You know.
3: You know. So here's an example. Here's good mm-hmm. language. Here's the deal. Son, daughter. School bus comes at seven twenty. Way at one a.m. Seven twenty-one is coming. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you smell like. I don't care what's in your stomach just want you on the bus at 721 and I believe you're capable of doing it and then mom you go to the basement and drink a little bit whatever you need to do <laughs> and you know what I mean and yes. then back off right? and I can't tell you how many parents will say when I back off our phrase is when we learn to step back it gives kids space to step up mm. so when we step back and give them use the word negative space really important Give them some space. Now, here's the hard part. They're not going to get ready in the morning the way you want them to do. They're not going to eat the healthy food because I want them to eat blueberries and avocados and good healthy fat. I want all that. But they're not. And and what you're going to have to do is step back. And when they hit that school bus at 721, still half naked, still getting dressed, throwing a Pop-Tart in their mouth, at the end of the day, all I want you to say is, nice job making the bus Mm. and walk away and drink again, whatever you need to do because they did it. And over time, what you'll find is they will begin to do it more your way, but they will never do it your way. If you're demanding that they do it
2: your way. Right. Ever. No, that is it's so I have recently had this experience where we, so we have a new puppy and the puppy needs to go to the bathroom in the morning. So I'm out with the puppy while the kids are doing breakfast stuff and it's, it's going so much better. And it wasn't on purpose. It was only because this puppy has to go to the bathroom that I'm like outside, but it just seems like it keeps everything calmer because I'm not trying to manage every single little yes. detail of when they brush their teeth and what they're eating. And, um, so anyway, yes, liberating. It so is. Tomorrow morning, Megan, just
3: sleep in or be like, go like. While they're getting ready, breakfast, just go, like, lay on the sofa and start reading something you've wanted to read. Yeah. And watch them looking at you like, Mom, what are you doing? Huh. You guys are handling it so well. Bingo. You yeah. guys take care of yourselves. I love this it. This is awesome. Okay. Yeah. I'm taking a break.
2: to do it when my husband's gone, so he's not like, what the hell is she okay. doing? So, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, do that. Say,
3: this is. This is way it's done, dude. Yeah. i got brandy in my coffee. Right. I'm having a good one. I'm kidding. I'm so not having a drinker. Yes. But anyway,
2: it's fine. Um, so the last question I have is just, this is a question from a friend who is a part of our Facebook community. And she's just wondering what, so <clears throat> with kids that are challenging, especially in the school system, and they kind of get a bad reputation or a thought of, you know, the, the teachers have seen their worst sides. What, what would you suggest in helping sort of win teachers over to to sort of see that humanity that, that we're talking about and see, do you have any resources with Celebrate Calm for that to sort of help a teacher kind of, you know, switch gears so, so it's not just, oh, that kid? Or is that sort of something that is not within our control?
3: No, no. We have a lot of stuff on that. So okay. here's, here's what I would encourage you to. And if anybody's interested, if you go to our website, there's a um, tab for ADHD and there's a brain boosters program that we have for teachers or email us and we'll help you out with it. We'll figure it out. So, um, cause we're really easy to work with. But, um, so what I would do is go into the teacher and say, look, Mrs. teacher. You know, my son, Jacob, I know he talks out of turn. He blurts out a little bit. Sometimes he doesn't follow directions um he ends up walking around he's always you know i get it like he's he's tough sometimes but you know what he's really great at doing and i try to give them insight and say if you will give him a specific job to do he loves helping other people he loves feeling like an adult so if you would give him a job to do in class you will see him follow directions for that job. He'll do such a great job. And I give tools like, uh, you probably know, we have this little sensory thing you put underneath the desk. I'm giving teachers tools all the time saying, I know my son struggles with fidgeting. The sensory strip, we put underneath his desk so he can play with it. It doesn't make any noise. That With his busy hands, he has something to do with it, and it'll actually help him pay attention. So I'm just giving the teacher tools and and trying to also say, Hey, if you need help, he's really good with drawing. Mm -hmm. So when we do teacher training, I'll be like, teachers, go to this child and say, listen, Jacob. And here's the backdrop, which is a lot of our kids struggle socially, so they're not always good at playing with other kids on the playground. So if a teacher pulls your child aside and says, listen, Jacob, I need your help. Next week, I'm doing a new unit on reptiles. I've noticed you're really good at drawing. So if I brought you some poster board outside at recess, Would you mind drawing drawing some reptiles? Because I'd love to put that up on the board. And so class next week. Well, now I'm getting him using his strengths. The other kids are knowing it. I gave him a specific job. I got to say, good job, Jacob. You did a good job. And I'm creating successes for that child. and And I'm letting the teacher know. One other example is I'll say, listen, my child struggles with writing. So once in a while... Could when he has a project to do, instead of doing a writing project, could he build something for you? So the teacher's able to say, Hey, we're doing this unit on ancient Rome. Um, you know what I could use, Jacob? You're really good at building with Legos. Could you build like a uh kind of like a replica of the uh Roman Colosseum out of Legos and bring into class? Because that would really help me demonstrate. And now I guarantee you. Your child's going to learn more about ancient Rome through building with Legos than he would if you had to sit down for four hours and try to make him write something on Now, this can't be every time. They've got to learn how to write, and we go through how to do that, but occasionally using their strengths and letting the teachers know what the strengths are can be a really helpful thing um, for that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely be an advocate for your child. While, you know, you don't again, you don't have to make excuses. Yeah, like I went in every year. My son's going to be difficult to teach this year. He just is. But I know if you do X, Y and Z and you notice when he does things well, he'll really respond because he does want to please you. It's just that he often just finds himself in trouble. It makes bad decisions. Um, but you'll find if you do this, you'll be a much better student.
2: Perfect. No, I love that. I actually, I used that advice from you before with my, one of my kids, um, who, who does like the extra brain stimulation and told his teacher that he loves to help. And if you, if you're finding he's restless, instead of punishing him, ask him to help with something. And he's just like in it to win it. He loves it. Because they love so, it.
3: Yes. Yeah, they love it. And that it's was just, just such using a small the thing. The energy. Yes. Yeah, it's just using
2: the energy. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we... Sign off. I don't
3: think I've talked enough, <laughs> but, um, no, but I love this and I, and I appreciate you and what you're doing. And as people, you know, if you need help with anything, do you mind if I give my email address? Please do. I won't answer it, but you can email me. I'm kidding. Uh, it's just Kirk K I R K at dot Email us, be a little bit patient, but I do answer almost all of my email. And if we can help you out, we'd love to do that. And, um, Anyway, we appreciate what you're doing, Megan. So thank you well, for And I on.
2: appreciate you. I mean this is I just every time I talk to you, twice now, I feel like it's just such a good pep talk. You know, it just sort of gets me reinvigorated in parenting and sort of feeling like, Okay, I, I can I can do this. This is not yeah, something that have
3: to care. I, do. Just walk away, <laughs> yeah. I just don't care anymore. I'm going to walk the dog in the morning. Kids are going to get ready. Come home from school. I'm going to take some uh, class of my own. They're going to get their home. No, and but, it'll so get done. It but
2: happen. but there's truth in that too. So, well, thank you so much. I've loved thank talking you. to you and hopefully we'll be able to do it again soon.
3: I would love that. Thanks. All right. Have thank you. you. Bye bye.
2: I keep thinking that I want to have a talk show like The View, but not The View with a bunch of people that i just like talking to and kirk martin would definitely have one of the seats on my talk show um so thank you kirk for all of your wisdom and sharing the i don't know it just feels inspiring to 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 be able to look at parenting from a different direction and sort of a fresh start fresh eyes so thank you kirk and definitely check out his work with um celebrate calm it is a great resource